Meanwhile, Sam's counting down 60 sentences. 60 sentences. Wow. <laughs> Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. Yay. Your username is Yo-Yo-Yo. Yes. I don't know. Do you have a yo-yo that you're playing with? I do wish I had a yo-yo to play with, but sadly right? I They're do fun. not. I miss them. Oh. I just couldn't find an interesting name. That's fair. Well, I like this one. Also, I probably wouldn't play with a yo-yo for very long before I got tired of that. <laughs> True. Or else you'd be like Jack and just accidentally tangle it or purposely tangle it in oh, a knot. Yeah. It- like a couple episodes back when he was locked up. I always tangled my yo-yo and never on purpose. Yeah. Same. I did like that yo-yo ball, which was like, there was like a, a spring action to it so that it would like automatically retract. It made it a lot harder oh, to tangle. Oh, nice. Mm. I did not try that that was a 90s thing oh the 90s mm. you couldn't do the walk the dog trip trick with it oh because right. it was like a yo-yo encapsulated in a plastic ball it was weird i'm not describing it well but that's not surprising <laughs> to anyone i'm, I'm sure, sure google can help anyone who might be interested in true. the yo-yo ball very true or you know maybe some people that are as ancient as we are <laughs> will remember what it was indeed <laughs> that was a fun thing yeah yeah. How are, you? How are you doing? I'm good. Oh. I'm, yeah, not doing much today. Yeah. What have I done? I went to a yoga class. I went for a walk, did some podcast editing, drank some beers, and that's about it. Oh, I watched the episode today, too. I hadn't watched it until a little while ago. That's been my day. How are you? I'm doing okay. I had lunch with a friend. Excellent. And we've already talked about this, though, that you're not allowed to have friends other than me. I know. We're going to have to bring this up every time. Even though I know this friend and I like her, I'm still not okay with you having other friends. (laughs) She will probably never hear this. If I was coconut, I would try to eat her face off. (laughs) (laughs) It is a good thing there is only the one coconut in the world. It's true. How is that friend? She's doing pretty well, I think. She's a 10-month job, so Ah. she is... Very soon off mm, for the summer. I would say that ten month jobs are pretty fantastic, <laughs> <laughs> especially if they pay you through the summer, which mine does not currently. But next year, when I am full time, it will. Nice. nice. I don't know if I could handle that. I don't think my brain could take that. Yeah, I we, I have been putting away money in savings, but I still always hate having to take it back out of there because every summer I'm like, well, maybe I won't have to because Jeff, I mean, Jeff still get, gets paid, so I'm like, well, yeah. maybe we'll be okay on just his salary, and then we never are, and then I'm always annoyed <laughs> stupid rent payments and car oh, stuff and food yeah <laughs> stupid food right? stupid eversource I'll blame it all on eversource because eversource yeah. is garbage you should and they is are slanders or libelous i, I don't, don't know. really care everyone hates eversource if they're in connecticut I, or anywhere nearby yeah, so whatever that's probably a universal opinion. Yeah. If you're going to charge me three times for the delivery fee, what the generation fee costs, I think that I'm entitled to say you suck on the <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> That's our thoughts. That's my thoughts on Eversource. Kathy does not yeah. have Eversource. 
I don't. I am not in that area, but I have in the past had Eversource and also was on electric heat and it was not exorbitant. Yeah, well, we're on electric heat right now. (laughs) Although it's actually still better than oil heat was because that was ridiculous and probably is way worse now than it was when we actually had a house with an oil tank in it. That's my fun story. Yeah, I'm slowly poisoning myself with gas heat Mm. probably. So there's that. Also my radon that I still haven't taken care of in my basement. You should do that. That's only going to give you lung cancer, though, and that'll take a while, so it's fine. It'll take a while. Yeah, yeah I'm going to. I just, you know, there's been distractions, there, but... You've had many distractions that I think <laughs> it is understandable that you have not gotten around to addressing the radon. Yeah. Because the distractions you've had have been much more urgent than the decades from now possibility of getting lung cancer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I do have to say my radon levels are just above what is considered safe, yeah. so it's not like a big problem yet. Yeah. yeah. You're fine. You're fine. When we get a house, I'm hoping to not be on Eversource anymore, whether it be by primarily having solar panels or just moving out of an Eversource area. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Some of the areas we're looking at are are not Eversource areas, so that would be nice. That's true. Do you know what else produces a lot of energy? What what else produces a lot of energy, Kathy? A giant ship (gasps) setting a world on fire. I see what you're doing there. Segue in, look at you. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a giant ship setting the world on fire would mean that I would be able to spend less on my heating bill in winter. True. And also less in general because probably my apartment would be vaporized and I'd be dead. So <laughs> yeah. it is hard to spend money, yes. I hear, once yeah. you're dead. Very true. Very true. Yeah. Although someone I know had paid their mortgage from beyond the grave recently. Good so. times. Maybe we should talk about yeah. this planet vaporizing spaceship thing setting everything on fire. Yeah. Maybe. What are we talking about today? Yes. We're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 4 Episode 9, Scorched Ooh. Earth. Yes. Nope. Let me just burp first. Drinking seltzer, you know? I am drinking super duper double citra. Nice. I have a beer for after my seltzer's done, but I was just super thirsty when I got home from lunch. That's fair. This is a nice 8% beer, and it's also one of my favorites. Nice. Made made by Thomas Hooker Brewery. Excellent. Northwest IPA. Who makes that one? Oh, it's it's Long Trail. I've been drinking a lot of Long Trail like the last few months. Harpoon bought Long Trail. Did you hear that? Jeff told okay. us I, think. I, couldn't, I didn't know if you were part of that conversation i thought that was interesting mm. yeah i don't know what to make of that but i don't either i like both harpoon and long trail so we'll see what happens yeah although their cbd yeah. seltzer is inferior to the place where i work though <laughs> i still will not Hell say where yeah. that is but probably yeah. anyone that really wanted to could figure it out because there's not a lot of breweries <laughs> that make cbd seltzer <laughs> i don't know where you, you work. don't know where i work you don't know me. Nope. I don't. Why are we doing this? I'm so excited to be working so close to you now, though. I mean, yes. I already was, but like, I'll be there more now, and that will be my main job, and I'll always be near Kathy, and that will just make life Yay. more delightful, because even if I'm in a bad mood, I can be like, you know what? Kathy's like three blocks away right now, and that makes yeah. everything better. And then we can meet at and then we can, one of we the can... many places that are so lovely. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'm just stop now. Anyway. <laughs> hey, remember when we were going to talk about Stargate? <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, right. 
Stargate, you said. I can start. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, if we leave it up to me, I am not going to start this episode. So, yes. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> we start on a planet that is not Earth in some sort of peaceful village where there's children running around and laughing and people seem happy and busy. The SG-1 team is at a table hanging out with some folks from that planet. They're having a feast. We find out why from the leader Hedrazar, I want to say? Was that? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) It seems that the SGC has helped these folks transfer their entire population from one planet to another. It sounded like a big task. That was a big population they were talking about with hundreds of villages. Yeah. So they transferred all those people from, I guess, gold-controlled planet to this safer planet. I was wondering, do you think that these people are related to whatever race the bodyguard was supposed to be from Stargate Origins? Because they had gold eyes just like she did. I don't know. Did the sun make them blind? I don't know. I don't know what her deal was, what the warrior chick's deal was on Origins. Yeah, me either. They just had the same cool gold eyes, so I was curious. This was a more difficult task than just moving them because they had to move them to a planet that was suitable for these folks. Because are they human or are they like, I don't know. But anyway, they are extremely sensitive to light. Yeah, it seemed to me like they're mostly human, but a variant of human that was just their eyes in particular were super sensitive to UV. Yeah, and so if they stay on worlds that, I don't want to say normal humans... Typical Most Earth other humans, humans that we, we have seen, yes, <laughs> they they go blind. Yeah. So they transplanted all these folks, and they are hard crediting SG-1 with all of this. Yeah. And I don't know. I feel like they probably had help, but <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> not to mention their own organizational skills that it must have taken to move their whole village. It's not like SG-1 was responsible for moving every individual village. Give yourselves some props, people, because you had to organize your villages and get yourselves moved, mostly. That's true. But they are so appreciative that the leaders going to name their grandchild (laughs) after Jack, like the uh, Asgard named a ship after him. Now come the people named after Jack. You know what? If I ever have a grandchild, which would be really hard since I have no children and have no plan to have children, but if I ever have a grandchild, I'll make sure it's named after Jack O'Neill. I'm just going to put it out there. (laughs) Maybe when I get a dog, I can name it Colonel Jack O'Neill. Yes, do it. (laughs) Two L's. Yes, absolutely. Please do. Please do. That would make me so happy. (laughs) One day I'll get a dog. Jeff and I were talking about possibly getting a third dog once we move, but... You know, as we've mentioned, that would be tough because Coconut will want to eat its face off. Well, I'm going to inherit two cats at least temporarily soon. (laughs) Yeah. So they're having this celebration, naming after grandchildren after Jack. Apparently her grandchild is going to be the first Ankaran born on this new home world. Mm. So they're very excited about that. They note that the atmosphere seems to be getting a little bit colder every day or they weren't quite expecting that. Kathy weather. That's okay. Yes, Kathy weather. <laughs> Not Mary weather, Kathy weather. No. As we were discussing the other day when there was like a 62 degree day that we're both like, yeah, this is great. Glorious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't have a whole lot of temperatures that overlap that we're both okay with. Yeah. Yeah. 
So they're talking about the weather. They're leaving them with an Equita generator so that they'll have enough power or whatever for the next year. Then all of a sudden, some guy comes running up like, help, help. His name is Caleb. And he's like, oh my god, something's destroyed our whole village. It's so big. That's what she said. Flee. Run away. Is he the only person from that whole village that survived? I know it said it destroyed the village, but does that mean it just destroyed the buildings? Where are all the people? Did they all die? This thing is moving so slow. It was a little bit like one of the Awesome Powers movies where the guy is driving the really slow machine and slowly (laughs) runs over somebody else, even though the guy totally could have run out of the way, but the machine is running so slow and the guy just didn't move. Yeah, and it's like David Cross's character in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. When he gets run over by that car that's slowly backing over him. Yes, exactly. Just like that. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm that's what I'm imagining here because this thing was moving super slow. <laughs> maybe he's just their fastest runner yeah. and everyone else is behind. Yeah, I don't maybe. know. Maybe it's moving faster than it really looks like it's moving or seems to be moving. But they should have seen it coming though, because it was huge. <laughs> That's what she said. Yeah. Anyway. He's like, guys, I can't tell you about this. You got to come see it. Because, you know, why would you be able to say something? It seems like you could pretty much describe a big thing in the sky setting fire to everything. Because I just described it. But I guess he couldn't figure that out. So, yeah. Yeah. So instead, they head to the Stargate where he's like, look, look. (laughs) And they're like, holy cow. There's an enormous ship. Yes. (laughs) And it is... Setting fire to everything that is in its Literally way. Literally everything. Yeah. Credits. 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 The guy who plays was, uh, Elium? Is that how he said Yeah, it? I was I, trying to figure out who he was. He looked very familiar. So, I know him from Battlestar Galactica. Okay. I he wouldn't played, know uh, Was it Lieutenant Gaeta? Uh-huh. I think his name is. But I, he's, I'm sure he's done other things. I just... Don't know that. I feel like we might have seen him in another episode or two of this show, but I'm not sure. And I didn't bother to look it up. So here we are. Yeah, I didn't look it up either because I was just like, look, it's Gata. Okay. Fair. Yeah. After the credits, we are back in the briefing room and SG-1 is updating Hammond on what's going on on the other planet. There's the giant ship that they think is about two miles in diameter. And it's got a curtain of energy, as they describe it, that's sweeping over the landscape. What, the curtains? No, not the curtains, lad. That entire curtain of energy is about 20 miles wide, so goes way past the edges of the ship. It's depositing some unknown gas and leaving just devastation in its wake. Even Teal'c hasn't seen technology like this before, so they're still trying to do some analysis on the atmosphere in the area, waiting to figure out exactly what is going on in the area of this ship there's no markings or anything on it daniel assumes that it must not be going after the incarns intentionally because it would likely take a more direct approach if that were the case instead of slowly approaching from a distance and making itself very well known in advance at the current speed it's going to take about 26 hours to reach hedrazar's village which is the one that they were just in even though there are many other incarn villages on the planet 
Unfortunately, though, it's going to take the Stargate out before it even gets to that village. That's going to limit the amount of time that they have to try to get everybody out of there. Hammond wants to know if they can evacuate everybody on time, and Tilk is there prepping them. But no, there is not any way that they're going to be able to evacuate everybody on time. And it's going to also be really hard to find a new planet to send the Incarns to that won't cause them to go blind. They can bring them back to Earth for a little bit, but... They'll only be able to survive on Earth for a few days before they start having the blindness issues here. Also, where would they put all these people? Because it's like thousands of people that they're talking know. about. And yeah. I can't imagine they can house them all in the base. But they don't address that because they say that they can't survive here on Earth for that long anyway. So that's not even a thing that they are going to consider. Even if they're underground, deep underground. Right? I was thinking that too. Like, there's no UV down that far. <laughs> but... I mean... They don't want to live here permanently. True. Who wants to live in a dank basement the rest of their lives? Right. But, yeah. you know. Also, there's thousands the of them. Term. But vampires figured it out. Yeah. They just stay inside and don't go out during the day. So <laughs> why, can't, why can't these people figure out? Just don't go out during the day. Problem solved. But no, it's not that simple. It took them two weeks to transplant all the people to their current planet. And they do not have two weeks to put them elsewhere. So that's a problem. God damn Right? Yeah. And they're not going to save all of them. And that is also a problem. Yeah. Jack and Daniel go see Sam in her lab where she's analyzing things. I have an important question that I'm going to ask now because I'm sure that given how my brain is currently functioning today that I will forget by the end. Why can't they just give them sunglasses? That's a good question. (laughs) And I don't know the answer. Very good question. Yeah. Maybe there's something else about but, it. Maybe it's not just their eyes. But they specifically said it was UV causing them to go blind. And I don't know. Okay. I got nothing. Carry on. <laughs> yeah. They've been looking at things the UAV has collected from the planet, from the behind the ship after it's been yeah. through and destroyed everything. Sam reports there's a high incidence of sulfur dioxide. Jack asks if that's chemical warfare. Depends on the intention. Yeah, I was going to say, what it, I, I don't know what sulfur dioxide is, so... It is sulfur and two oxygens. Yes, but like, <laughs> how? why does Jack think that's a chemical warfare thing? I don't know. I mean, it would be very okay. poisonous to people, but I don't know if it's like a standard thing used in chemical warfare. Okay. It might be. I'm not sure, but it would be toxic okay. to us. Yeah. Sam doesn't think that's what it is. And she has Jack look in a microscope where he sees little fuzzy orange things, which is how I also see them. This is also not how things would look under a light microscope that she is looking at them, but... Uh, Anyway, but she says that the alien ship is depositing those fuzzy orange things, which are microbes. I explore the country looking for people who aren't afraid to get dirty. Robes, microbes onto the planet's surface. Microobes. Microobes. (laughs) Microbes. Sorry. Microbies. Yeah. (laughs) And she says that. The microbes bond with the sulfur leached out of the soil, and that is how it causes the sulfur dioxide. Daniel asks if they're trying to stink up the planet, (laughs) and Sam says that's not really it. She says the microbes are deposited after all native organisms are destroyed as some sort of replacement. She thinks that this is the first building blocks of an alien ecosystem. Ooh. 
Oh my goodness. So yeah, they're changing the environment to support a different kind of life. Something based on sulfur, she says. It bothered me that they kept referring to this as terraforming for the entire episode. Because terra specifically refers to Earth. So it is not Hmm. terraforming unless you are specifically trying to make it Earth-like. Huh. All right. (laughs) Not that anyone cares, but it's a thing I noticed. But yeah, whatever this new world they're creating, it will not support life as they know it. That's not good. Sulfur-based versus (laughs) carbon-based. Not the same thing. Yeah. Very different. Yeah. I'm not convinced that sulfur-based life could happen, but in any case. It's a TV show about traveling through wormholes so i know mind blown kathy yeah there's nothing fantastical about that why would you think there's something fantastical about sulfur based life forms i mean if we're gonna be based on anything other than carbon it's gonna be silicon and not silver but the team returns to hedrazar's village tilk is still there and gives them the news that they don't want to leave they're not gonna go despite his efforts to Get them ready. That sounds smart. Right? Yeah, not really. Jack goes to the leader, Hedrazar, and asks Hedrazar and her son, Ilium, what is going on? And it turns out that since they can't get all Incarns off of the planet in time, none of them are going to go. I was wondering, did they ask everyone else's opinion or did Hedrazar just make this decision for everybody else? I don't think you can ask everyone's opinion when they're spread all over a planet. No, but like maybe give them the choice like, hey, if you want to go, you can go, but I'm going to stay here since we can't all go. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That didn't seem to be the case. Hedrazar just unilaterally, it seemed, made the decision, we're all staying since we can't all go. Yep. Guess so. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Ilium, Ilium, kid, guy, he's not really a kid because he's going to be a dad soon, but her son, the guy you said whose name was before, just expands a little bit on their background that generations ago, like so many other races of people that we've seen so far, their ancestors were kidnapped by the Gua'uld and taken away in giant ships. They've never been able to find their homeworld, and this planet is the closest thing that they've found to being the proper conditions with the right atmosphere and the right UV radiation. And they're really grateful that SG-1 found it for them. And so they're going to stay here and fight for it. Jack wants to know with what, which is a valid question, because that's a giant spaceship burning the whole planet. Ilium wants to know, well, don't you have any weapons to aid us? But eh, not so much. Not that they can offer anyway, because Hammond didn't want to destroy the ship, at least without finding out more about why it was there and what was happening. They can't give a whole lot of help beyond helping them to evacuate, and they are not willing to evacuate. So here we are. At the Stargate, Sam has set up a transmitter of some kind. Jack asks, do you think a well-placed stinger would do some damage? (laughs) Which Sam sincerely answers, we have no way of knowing what material it's made of or if it possesses shield technology. Daniel says that any intelligence capable of engineering a big ship like that that is setting fire to the world and remaking it should be capable of reason. And so they're like, well, will they listen? Sam asks. And Jack asks, will they have ears? That's also a valid question. And then suddenly they're beamed away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> except no, no rings, though. Except no rings were actually involved. 
It was more of a Star Trek type beaming than a Stargate beaming. Yeah. Color was different yeah. than the Asgard beaming too. It was like orange. It's true. It was. It didn't look quite the yeah. same and the, the texture of it was different. They rematerialize inside, presumably inside the spaceship. All the walls are white and there's like these weird bubble tubes going up the wall. It reminded me very much of when I used to work at Rainforest Cafe and we had bubble walls that looked like that for decor. Fun. That I always thought were kind of cool. They were fun. Yeah. They have a look around. They find some drawers. The drawers are full of things that Sam thinks are tissue samples from potentially organisms that whoever's running the ship might be trying to grow down on the planet. They think it's weird that the aliens went through so much trouble to change the atmosphere on the planet, but the air in the ship is perfectly breathable to humans. And so Daniel figures, oh, they must have been expecting us. Oh. Yeah. Daniel's looking around, opening drawers. Jack yells at him for opening drawers. <laughs> Daniel opens more drawers. <laughs> there seem to be millions of these tissue samples, so it would seem that they are trying to recreate the entire civilization, which seems like a weird term to me. Like, did they mean civilization as in these are all individual beings from that planet that are going to be recreated? Or did she mean more of like an ecosystem and these are all different species because a civilization i would think of as being like just the race of intelligent beings that made this ship but if they're talking about like an ecosystem then it would be multiple different species and whatnot anyway we don't give an answer well we kind of do because daniel says that yeah probably every one of these samples is a plant animal insect or alien or (laughs) jackass alien well yeah obviously (laughs) all of them would be alien if they didn't come from (laughs) earth regardless of whatever suddenly a guy comes in. He's got the gold eyes of the Incarans. He introduces himself as Lotan and says they don't need to be afraid. He's just there to facilitate communication. He's going to essentially be the go-between between the ship and SG-1. He copied the people on the planet so that he would be more understandable to SG-1. He is then surprised to figure out that SG-1 is actually not Ankara, and they're a different race of people. He actually first realizes, realizes Tilk is different, and then realizes everyone else is also. They try to explain to him that the ship is wiping out an entire race of people, and Lotan says that that's unfortunate, but they were there first, and they were already, quote-unquote, terraforming this planet before SG-1 and the Ankarans even got there, and it's sad that the Ankarans are going to be slaughtered, but if Lotan were to stop this process now, they couldn't restart it on any other planet because they wouldn't have enough resources to restart it on a new planet. They're already well into this process. And they were already well into this process before the Incarans even got there in the first place. They try to convince Lotan that, well, make it stop. Stop transforming it now. And needless to say, Lotan is not too thrilled about that plan because this is his only purpose for existence as essentially an AI is to kind of look after the ship and the beings on the ship and the society and culture and ecology of all the things that are on the ship and make sure that this terraforming again, quote unquote, their words, not mine happens as it's supposed to. I can't say what type of forming it should be because I don't know the name of their original planet. So I'm just going to keep saying terraforming. Sounds good. In case anyone's wondering why and cares. We all care. I'm sure everyone does. Yep. So he expands upon that a little bit and says that all of the knowledge of the society, their science, their math, medicine, art, philosophy, everything, tens of thousands of years of civilization, all on this ship, the people that 
this society is going to be based on were destroyed by a superior military power, despite the fact that they were extremely advanced, but they were also really peaceful. So they had no way to fight back when the other military power came. So this is really their only hope for any kind of a legacy to have their society, their culture, their ecology, everything recreated on a new planet. Daniel is fascinated by this whole thing. Jack doesn't really care. He is only worried about the Incarns because the Incarns are alive now, whereas these creatures are long since dead and won't be alive again for quite some time once the planet is done terraforming itself. So SG-1 is emphatic that the Incarns can't leave because they're not going to find another planet in time and they can't get them all off of the planet before this ship destroys the Stargate. It's going to end poorly for the Incarns, but as Lotan explains it, if he doesn't keep going, then this entire culture and race and ecosystem is going to be lost forever. They're at a bit of an impasse. Yes. Yes. Not great. No. Lotan zaps them away. He does. <laughs> Did you recognize Lotan? He looked familiar, but again, I couldn't place exactly what okay. he was in. I, he's, I looked him up in IMDb. He's been in a shit ton of things. You've probably seen him a million times, really. <laughs> but the thing I remember him from was an episode of Star Trek Voyager, the one where Bellana is split in two by the Vidians. And they had, oh, yeah. and he was the other Starfleet guy whose face got grafted onto that. Oh, seriously? Because uh, it's such a fucking oh. nightmare. I thought perhaps this new face would make you more comfortable with me. That's why I remember that. That's a, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a super creepy yeah. episode. Okay. Yeah. I know exactly who you're talking about because it's just so creepy, but oh, yeah. Ooh. Okay. I did not recognize him from that. Interesting. I figured he was probably just that uh, like a sci-fi that guy that I'd probably seen in a million other things, but ugh, yeah, ugh, yeah, that's so yeah. creepy. Sorry, you're welcome for yeah. that rem- reminder. Like, <laughs> thanks, thanks for that. Super creepy. Don't you love me now that I have this new face? <sighs> yeah, so unpleasant. Anyway, oh, I wanted to talk about the look of the aliens because Lotan shows them the aliens. Oh, yeah, they look like a Pokemon. That's what I was going to say. It was sort of reminded me of a Pokemon meets, like, the Independence Day aliens. BT's ass. I choose you! <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. Like, the head looked like an Independence Day alien, but then the rest of the body and, like, the high ankles and the tail, was, they all look like yeah. Pokemon. But, yeah, for sure. That's exactly what yeah. I was thinking, too. Yeah. That's what silicon-based lifeforms look like, Mary. Okay? Okay. <laughs> They also didn't he play some music of theirs for us too in this scene that I actually uh, forgot to mention and it might was have. horrific. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was the scene or yeah. a different scene, but they played their music and it was terrible. <laughs> At least according to our ears, because of our weirdly shaped cochlea, as Lotan specified. SG one once beamed off the ship returns to Hedrasar's village. They report that the discussion did not go well. Fine does not go well, Enterprise. The team then returns to the SGC. Sam's explaining what's going on to Hammond. Things we might already know about the situation. (laughs) Yeah. And Hammond wants to know if any of their information can be used to stop the aliens. Sam's like, I'm not sure. And Daniel's like, that's assuming we have a right to stop them at all. Jack's like, excuse me, which I don't think was a big surprise, but okay. Daniel's like, this is the rebirth of an entire alien civilization. 
an advanced and peaceful one if you believe Lotan. Why would they have the right to stop that? Jack's like, best society wins. Daniel's like, no, but Daniel wants all things to happen or be okay. Jack's on team and Karin's. Hammond asks if the transformation can be delayed. And then they have a long talk about what Lotan is. Yeah. Which, did they even answer Hammond's question? No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Hammond wanted to know if they could maybe convince Lotan to stop things. And that's when they just, like, went into their debate over... He's a robot. He's not a robot. He's a messenger. He was created in the image of the Incarans to help with this transition. Yeah. Yeah. What is he? A machine. Is he? Are you sure? They're talking about Lotan like he's a sentient being. And so if that society was so advanced that they could just on a whim create a sentient being like this, maybe give them the benefit of the doubt and try it a little harder to get the Incarans (laughs) off there because clearly they were super advanced. I was not on Team Incarans. Spoiler alert. Daniel thinks maybe they still have a chance of convincing Lotan of something that he seemed reasonable, he might be capable of learning, and he could think outside this programming. Jack, however, wants to throw everything they've got at the ship, which Hammond tells him he can't do. No military action, dude. Sorry. See, that really bothered me because his justification for that was, but we've spent months getting to know these people. Yeah, you've spent months getting to know these people, but does that mean that an entire civilization should perish? I guess they technically already perished, but the entire civilization should be destroyed permanently just because you spent a couple months getting to know these people and like them? Yeah, but you know. But that was his implication. But the other aliens already had their chance. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're going for- Nature selected them. (laughs) Yeah. Except it wasn't. They're trying to reboot this shit. Um, Anyway. (laughs) So busy trying to figure out whether or not they could. They didn't stop to think if they should. Exactly. Hammond. All that. Hammond's like, you need to find some other way out of this because you're not getting any military help. And that's that. And and Karin's don't want to leave. So no winning. (sighs) Yep. No one's happy. I was actually glad that Hammond wasn't willing to give jack more ways to destroy the terraforming i don't think he could have anyway i mean i would think a nuclear weapon would take that out pretty well but also then there would be tons of fallout then they just run it over with fire except for that they can't because they took out the ship but anyway right yeah anyway back on the planet the ship is continuing to get closer everybody is worried because they're still refusing to leave they still want sg1 to come up with a solution to save them but because they are not willing to abandon the other people in the other villages. Unfortunately, they have to tell everybody that, yeah, well, Hammond won't let us bring any troops or weapons, so we're kind of stuck. And I'm like, well, you brought us here. We trusted you. You told us it was safe. This is all on you to fix it. Which just, I don't know, seemed kind of weird to me. Why? Because they'd already be dead by now if SG-1 hadn't helped them by bringing them to this planet. At least they bought you a few more months, but... (laughs) It's an easy mistake to make to not realize that on the other side of the planet, there's a thing happening that's going to eventually make its way over here. I feel like that's a risk you would take with any planet that they would be transported to or transplanted on. True. Eliam's angry at Jack for putting them on a defective planet, essentially. <laughs> Jack pulls Sam aside and asks how much Naquita is in the reactor that they gave him. 
And long story short, he wants her to build a Nakoda bomb. She is not cool with that idea, but he wants her to do it anyway, so she's going to have to do it. Yeah. And next we see Sam has basically made the bomb. <laughs> yeah. She is explaining to Jack how it is going to work to take out the ship but also protect them there's a ridge to protect the village and she doesn't want to move it any closer to the thing she's explaining all of that and she says they should detonate before the ship is directly overhead because if it's directly overhead then presumably it would be set on fire (laughs) like everything else yeah yeah set on fire and fall on them (laughs) and she says that once you detonate the reactor you can't stop the bomb. And then they get into a boat. <laughs> yep. I don't really understand the point of the boat. I don't know. Maybe they just wanted to go for a little boat ride. Maybe. I didn't really understand the point of the boat in the next scene either when they get up on shore <laughs> from the boat. Anyway, elsewhere. Somewhere else. Where the hell is this? Back in the village, Daniel and Teal'c are watching the ship coming. Daniel starts heading off. Teal'c wants to know where he's going. And Daniel says he's going to go try to talk to Lotan. Tilk tries to tell him that Jack's not going to be too happy about that and probably not going to be too effective and kind of disobeying orders by doing this but Daniel says well I'm just trying to give Jack another way which is what he asked me before and I'm not going to give away our plan or our secrets or anything I'm just going to try to find an alternative. (laughs) Apparently he somehow manages to do that because then we are back (laughs) up on the ship Daniel finds Lotan suspended in a weird thing (laughs) that's not a good description he's kind of like suspended on a raised some like raised footholds his arms are out and his legs are out i don't know it's weird he's being electrocuted somehow this is like his storage (laughs) thing i don't know this is a terrible explanation sorry everybody but i don't know how else to describe it i don't have anything better do you have a better description okay (laughs) daniel again says that the incarns have nowhere else to go and lotan's like Tough luck, his literal words. And I was like, wow, that's pretty harsh. <laughs> but then he also does elaborate a little bit more and says that he, in his Incarn type body, took the opportunity to breathe some of the sulfur based environment. And he's like, yeah, that's not going to work for this type of body. <laughs> right. Oh, this is this is when he plays the music that I mentioned earlier. <laughs> that's and right. we had the conversation about it. This music has not been heard in over a thousand years. Nice. Not very good for the ears, and just another emphasis on how the anatomy and physiology of the Incarns is different from the the Whoever. Pokemon X Files yeah. alien people. <laughs> yeah, Daniel still wants to try to figure out some sort of an alternate solution that can be good for everybody. Lotan says that's not his problem. That's not his programming. He's just there to again to protect the life forms that created him in the ship. And when he's all done with this, he's just going to be reintegrated back into the ship's systems. Daniel's really concerned about that and asks Lotan, well, aren't you worried about dying? So this is where he's assuming that Lotan is sentient, even though we don't really have any evidence to support that. But again, like I said before, if Lotan is sentient, wouldn't that be all the more reason to try to help this society to thrive again? Because they were clearly more advanced than we are if they can create sentient life. They should have thought of that before they went extinct. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. (laughs) Anyway, long long story short, Daniel convinces Lotan to go down to the planet and have a look around from an Ankaran perspective, since Lotan is in the form of an Ankaran. 
Yes. Sam and Jack get out of their boat and head towards yeah, the again, village. Why were they in the boat? Who knows? Take a little, <laughs> take a little romantic boat ride. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good for them. In the middle of their uh, plan to blow up <laughs> a, a <Right>. ship. <laughs> yeah. And destroy an entire civilization. Yeah. yeah. No better yeah. time for a romantic boat ride. Sam has doubts about their plan. And Jack's like, but no, this is still the right thing. We did this. They're dependent on us. What else are we going to do? He asks if Sam wants to talk him out of this. She says yes, but then doesn't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, I'm interested to hear your take on this, actually, because my take on this was that she handed the remote over to him because she was refusing to set the bomb off herself. Oh. But then I was wondering if it was always the plan for him to set the bomb off. That's a good question. When I was watching it, my impression was that when she said, yes, I want to talk you out of this, she handed the remote over to him as her form of protest, making him set it off instead of her. I don't know. I didn't think about it that way. I have no answer. Yeah. They don't really ever clarify. And that's the end of the scene. (laughs) That is the end of the scene. He leaves with the remote. Daniel has taken Lotan to the village. Lotan comments, the air is not as pure as that on the ship (laughs) and thinks it's better than the ship's air. Lotan notes there are trees (laughs) and that their design is most interesting. (laughs) So he's just looking around and Daniel's kind of explaining what he's seeing. Yeah. Yeah. That's that scene. (laughs) That is that scene. (laughs) Back in the village, Jack gets there. Sam is... Somewhere. Hanging out by the boat. <laughs> I guess, just, yeah, just hanging out by the boat watching stuff. Tilk tells Jack where Daniel has gone, and Jack is furious about that, despite the fact that Tilk says that Daniel promised he wouldn't give away their plan or anything. Jack radios to Daniel. Daniel responds. <laughs> Jack is literally yelling at him, tell me you're not on that ship. <laughs> Daniel says, okay, I'm not on that <laughs> ship, because at this point they are just wandering around on the surface. And Daniel tells him that, you know, he's just talking to Lotan, just as Jack said, trying to find some other alternative out of this. Sam radios in that they've only got 15 minutes until the ship is going to be appropriately placed over the bomb for them to need to set it off. Jack asks Daniel if he knows what time it is. Daniel doesn't really care because, you know, he's on a mission to figure out an alternative. But they're on their way back to the village anyway, so he's going to talk to Jack in person soon. Lotan asks Daniel if he's disobeyed his superior, and Daniel's like, yeah, not really. And then he says, well, you're not fulfilling your function. (laughs) And Daniel says, well, that's not true. I'm trying to find another alternative out of this situation. So that is fulfilling his solution as far as he's concerned, because sometimes in hierarchical command structures, as he calls them, you can't really consider things from all possible options. So he's just trying to find another option for Jack. They're going to go back to the village. And Lotan's going to beam them back there. Well, yeah. <laughs> they beam him yeah. right over by Jack and Tilk. <laughs> yes. Daniel reports that Lotan would like to meet the Ankarans. And two of them are headed his way. And they're kind of just looking at each other. Sam reports there's 10 minutes. Daniel takes Lotan to meet Elium and Hedrazar. So, the important people. Yeah. 
He explains to the villagers that Lotan is a representative <laughs> of the aliens who built the ship and created in their image so that they can communicate. Eliam's like, but he doesn't stop it. And Jaina's like, uh, no. He continues to introduce people. <laughs> yeah. Hedrazar is like, can you see that you're going to be killing all of us if you let the ship keep going? Daniel answers for Lotan. <laughs> that he's aware of that. <laughs> Lotan is interested, though, in the fact that Hedrazar is blind. Yeah. Daniel explains that that is what happens when they are not on a planet that has a suitable ozone layer, whatever. He keeps noting things. He's like, oh, look, this one's going to give birth. And <laughs> Jack's like, yeah, we're all aware of the situation. Lotan's like, you brought me here for to sympathize with these people. And Daniel's like, well, they're your people, really. You were created in their image. Lotan's like, I was not created to prevent their demise. Daniel's like, don't you wish you could, though? <laughs> then Lotan needs to go back to the ship. Daniel tells him to take him with him. Jack's against this, but he can't do anything about it because they get beamed away. Bye-bye. Yep. Jack's pretty pissed yeah. about that since Daniel specifically asked to go with Lotan and they were beamed away before Jack could God do damn anything. Daniel. Right? Yeah. Sam radios that there are five minutes left. Jack tells her that Lotan just took Daniel back up to the ship. Sam's pretty dismayed to hear that and asks, does he realize how close they are to explosion time? Up on the ship, Lotan has actually detected the bomb, tells Daniel that there's an unusual device down there. This is where Daniel pretty much does tell them, tell Lotan the plan, since Lotan's already kind of figured it out anyway. They're going to blow up the ship if Lotan doesn't stop. Daniel doesn't agree with what they're doing, but at the same time, he also doesn't want to see all of the Incarans wiped out. There's got to be some other alternative. Lotan has no idea what that other alternative might be, though. No. Back outside, Sam tells Jack that the ship is just about in position. And if he's going to do it, he's better do it now. Jack looks over to Tilk. Tilk tells him that Daniel made his choice. So Jack hits the button. And on the Nakwada reactor, we see the trigger go off. And the reactor starts to overload. Which Lotan also detects from his ship. Yes. Daniel asks Lotan if he wanted to, could he stop the ship? Just answer this question, please. <laughs> Lotan says, yes, it would be possible. But then Daniel's like, okay, think of all the life you're destroying. But Lotan's, this is all the same. Like, I'm programmed to serve life on this ship. But, but, but. Daniel says, didn't these people that you serve have laws and justice and respect for life? Right. Then how could you possibly recreate that world through mass murder? Lotan thinks for a moment. Isn't this a betrayal, Daniel Wonders, of everything they stood? You're not here just to serve life on the ship. You're here to protect the integrity of the life on this ship. He's just full court press on, like, Lotan's sensibilities here right. to try to change his mind. Meanwhile, Sam is counting down 60 seconds to detonation, she reports. But then the ship stops. <gasps> Back down to the village, Tilk says that the ship has stopped, <laughs> as if that wasn't obvious. Sam says that Daniel must have gotten through to them. Daniel radios up to him and says that they've got about 30 seconds left until the thing explodes. 
<laughs> Lotan suddenly beams the device up onto this ship and says, oh, this thing is still active. What do we do with it? Daniel seems quite alarmed yeah. at this point now because where it was before, they weren't really close enough for it to do much harm, but now it's on the ship. Daniel is not pleased <laughs> and asks if Lotan can do anything about the fact that it is still active. But Lotan's like, well, don't you know how to deactivate it? Daniel's like, no, I don't. Lotan says that it's intriguing. They're running out of time. Outside, Sam's counting down from five, four, three, two, one. We see uh, something like a blast of light leading away from the ship, and then the bomb explodes in the air. Apparently, they shot it at an airlock or whatever. Hedrazar wants to know what's going on because she can't see, but she for sure hears and feels the huge explosion. Ilium seems kind of dismayed that the ship is still there after the explosion is over. Back up on the ship. Lotan and Daniel continue to talk about the fact that Lotan's a little bit surprised at how powerful the explosion was, and Daniel says that they were just desperate, but Lotan points out the conflict still remains unresolved. We need to terraform this planet because we can't terraform any other one. We don't have enough resources to terraform another one. We don't want to kill those people down there. They've scanned so many millions of planets. This was the only right match, and that is when Daniel has an idea. If they have scanned so many other planets, and this was the only one that was right for, oh, the Gadmir civilization that we finally get the name of. Were there any others that weren't good for the Gadmir, but that would work for the Ankaran, since Lotan, being modeled after an Ankaran, should know what they need? Turns out, yes. Yes, there was. There was one other planet that was a really close match for what the Gadmir society needed, but it was too warm which, if you may remember before, the Incarns were complaining about it being too cold, and also, there were intelligent people on it. And from what he can tell, those intelligent people were in fact the same as the Incarns. Holy cow. Holy cow. Holy Hannah. Sorry. Holy <laughs> He regrets that he didn't consider that before, and Daniel's like, well, you're only a day and a half old, so. <laughs> can only expect so much from you. You'd have gotten there eventually. Daniel and Lotan zap on down to the village to let everyone know there's a compromise on the table. Lotan explains they need to keep up with the terraforming. <laughs> Gadmir forming? Yes. And that they need them to leave this world. Eliam's like, how is this yeah. a compromise? And Daniel's like, we found the original Karen homeworld. Oh, so exciting. <laughs> what? How? They ask. they're delighted because they were regretting before that they couldn't find their original homeworld so Daniel explains that they'd scanned that planet before and they didn't think to think about that until just now Hedrazar is like well I'm again going to speak on literally everyone else on this planet speak on their behalf (laughs) and say we're all ready to go back to the home of our ancestors Daniel has the solution too to how to get them there and it's that he has this friends with a big spaceship who's going to take them there after they, they're done here. Yeah. yeah. Before they're oh, done before here. Oh, before they're done they're here, gonna he's going to take a pause. Gonna ta- yeah. yeah. If, if they took him after they were done here, then all the incarnations are already Oh, I was thinking he's going to be in the ship, but it's probably going to take more than one trip. Okay. Lotan's going to take them all to back to their home world, and then he's going to finish changing this world. And then 
Lotan is like, then I'll be reintegrated into the ship. Daniel's like, does that need to happen? And Lotan's like, uh, what else am I going to do? And Hedrazar's <laughs> like, you're in Karin. You can stay with us. Lotan agrees to that. Hedrazar tells everyone to spread the word. They're going home. That's basically the end of the episode. Happy ending. Yeah. yeah. Good times for all. Woo. Kathy. Yeah. Did you like the episode? I did. I did. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> I did enjoy. Yes. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. Yep. I, I, I just. Yeah. I, I, Would you like to elaborate? <laughs> not going to be very thrilling. No. Yeah. It was another episode where they're like, oh, God, we have these two terrible decisions. This one terrible decision and something bad's going to happen either way. But then magically there's a third way out. So that's always, I don't know. Funny. I'm glad there's a third way out in this case. Yeah. Unlike you, I was on Team Unkaren for this. Because mm. fuck the Gadmir, okay. they had their chance. But <laughs> fortunately, Daniel being Daniel, he refused to give up on all civilizations everywhere. So they're all going to get their chance. I thought the Unkarans were, they were nice people. And Lotan was fun. Learn, being, learning to be Lotan. I don't know. I'm very like vague in this. I'm sorry. <laughs> you should be. I don't enthusiastically like it. And I definitely didn't dislike it. Yeah. What about you? You have better things to say. You always do. I I do not. I didn't really like it all that much. I didn't dislike it, but I wasn't a big fan of it. As I said, I was for sure on Team Gadmere because, as Lotan said, their terraforming or their Gadmere forming of the planet was already well underway before SG-1 brought the Incarans there. And since the Gadmere civilization only had one shot at this it seemed super unfair to be like all right well we're here now so even though you were here first we're taking over this planet and sucks to be you guys but your society's done for because we want this planet instead that just you know that, that was just like a level of i don't know that imperialism is the right word or eminent domain but essentially trying to take over the planet from people that were already there or a society uh, pseudo society kind of society that was already so the gadmir had dibs is what you're saying yeah, the Gadmir were already there trying to make that planet for themselves and to establish themselves. And and the Incarns came along after that with SG-1 and were then trying to kick the Gadmir out, essentially. It would be a different story if the Gadmir ship had come along after, but the fact that Lotan said it was already underway when the Incarns showed up, to me, meant, all right, well, Gadmir's got the right away here. And so it kind of pissed me off to see that Jack had no empathy for them whatsoever and the fact that he even went so far as to try to kill daniel by blowing up the ship knowing that daniel was on it i hated that part as well, well so daniel made his choice as tilk said daniel <laughs> i yeah, yes i know but did daniel think that jack would actually push the button my guess would be that daniel probably thought that he wouldn't and then he did yeah. so i would also be interested to see what the aftermath of this would be like if there ever is any conversation between daniel and jack like daniel saying hey i know that that bomb was live so like you tried to kill me that's not cool should we talk about this but i'm sure that we're never going to address this no. ever again so for those reasons yeah i really wasn't a very okay, big fair. fan of this <laughs> and it also pissed me off that they're like well no we're just all gonna stay instead that, of trying to figure this that out was a little and, weird. and also 
Also, why not put them on a different planet that might have more UV, but like just give them sunglasses? Yeah. Or move the people farther away from the ship. And also they can move stargates. We've seen that they can move stargates. So another alternative would be like if they can't find a planet right away, move the Incarns and move the stargate farther away from the ship until they can find the Incarns a new home and until they can evacuate all of them. So I feel like there were a lot of other ways out of this. That they didn't explore. Fair. And that also pissed me off. That's totally reasonable. Yeah. Apparently, I just didn't think too hard about this whole thing. I don't know. What's wrong with you? Uh, a lot. <laughs> Not overanalyzing a sci-fi show. What the I hell? mean, we have a podcast, so I feel like I probably should. <laughs> I just... Apparently, this particular episode, I was like... What's next? Is it any better? This is our 75th episode, by the way. Wow. Yay. Good for us. Right? Yeah. Does that count the ones I wasn't here for? It does not. Oh. Nor does it count our bonus episodes. Or oh, okay. Episode. Cool, cool. So, Good to yeah. know. Yeah. All right. The next episode we will be talking about is Stargate SG-1 Season 4, Episode 10, Beneath the Surface. Netflix says, SG-1 awakens in a mysterious underground complex with no memory of their previous lives. In fact, they seem to possess a whole new set of memories. The booklet says, With their memories erased and their identities changed, the members of SG-1 find themselves trapped below a domed city on a planet of ice, toiling as slave laborers. Can they come to their senses and make a break for the surface, or will they remain enslaved underground for the rest of their lives? They probably are enslaved the rest of their lives, and this series takes a huge turn after this episode. I bet they are. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't they also do this same plot in Star Trek? I feel like a lot of, yeah. well, a lot of these plots Yeah, are there's early. definitely a Voyager episode where they all lose their memory and are, like, just working yeah. folk on some planet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. I was trying to remember which one it was. Good times. Yeah. Anything else? No, I'm good. All right. As always, thanks for listening. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe so that you can get our episodes as soon as they come out every Wednesday. Likes and reviews are very much appreciated to help other people find the show, and word of mouth is great for that as well. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. You can email us at stargatesing at gmail.com. You can find us on our website, which is stargatesing.space, and you can contact us through our Patreon page, patreon.com slash stargatesing, where you can also become a supporter of the show to help us keep this thing going. I'm Mary. I'm Kathy. And you've been listening to Stargatesing. The end. The end.